All right, good morning, church family. It's good to be home. I love traveling, I really do, but there's nothing better than coming home and, you know, sleeping in your own bed and seeing familiar faces all surrounding you. So I'm glad to be back here at our home church. So as Pastor Josh said, for the past two weeks, I have had the huge blessing of traveling to Tanzania with the team from Kid Care. So if we could get that picture of us up. This is us pre-trip. We're ready to go to LAX, so comfy clothes, you know, all the way. Um, so these are the amazing human beings I got to spend the two weeks with. And let me tell you, they are some incredible people. So today I want to share some of our travel experiences with you. And my hope is that you not only get to hear some cool stories about Tanzania, but you also get to know how you can experience God through your own personal travels. Because really, traveling allows us to experience other people and other cultures, and God's in all of that. So we had many parts of our trips. It's funny because people are like, what's your highlight? There's so many different things that I can't just pick one moment. So for today's message, I've broken it off into three parts, and it's the three parts of Tanzania that we were fortunate enough to visit. So our first stop was Dar es Salaam. Dar es Salaam is a coastal town, and I would say it's very similar to the city of Los Angeles in the sense that there's, it's a major city, so there's tons of people, lots of traffic, right? It's great. And lots of street vendors, which all three of these things were very similar to me, but also different enough to where it's a little bit of a culture shock. So the people, they looked, they sounded, they smelled, they acted different. They all spoke Swahili. I don't speak Swahili. Speak like three words of Swahili. Once I found out I was going on the trip, I was like, okay, Duolingo, do your best. It's not very good. <laughs> at least I'm not very good at learning new languages. Um, we were the only four white people around. It's not a very tourist location, so it was all locals, and we stuck out like sore thumbs just between our English and our sunglasses. I don't know why people don't wear sunglasses over there. I was like, I learned that was a new thing when we went to Arusha, and one of the girls was like, and I thought she was making fun of me because I have dark circles, and then I realized, oh, it's the sunglasses. Sunglasses are weird over here, noted. So the people did things differently. Traffic, I have a really fun video to show some of the traffic over there. Let's see. So this is a nice skyscape. And then as it goes down, you can start to see some of the crazy madness. This was the view from our hotel window. This is a time lapse, don't worry. They're not actually like speeding, like insane people. Yes, so this was just your, your, normal, your normal day of the week traffic. I did do a time lapse of the rush hour, but the cars rarely moved, so it was not a very fun video to showcase. We would have been here for five minutes and watched a red car just slowly move. So it was very different. They had no traffic lights, no stop signs. I think there was actually one or two 
traffic lights like the whole time in Dar es Salaam where, when we were there. It was wild. Um, so other things that we saw were street vendors, just like you would see in LA. There's lots of street vendors, but it's slightly different. I have a picture to showcase one of the street vendors that I saw. He was heading towards the, the place that he was selling. This is a motorcycle. We would normally only have, you know, one, maybe two people on here. But everywhere you looked, you would see either a motorcycle stacked beyond the legal limit with goods, or you would see people because they use these as taxis. The most people we saw on a motorcycle when we were there was five people. It's crazy. Crazy. Yeah, I'm like, I... And they weren't even holding on to each other. They were just like arms to the side. I was like, man, when I rode my motorcycle with my dad, I'd be like, death grip. Nope, nope. So things were very, very different. So one of our tasks while we were in Dar es Salaam was to go bajaji shopping. Ooh. A bajaji is a fancy word for a taxi. It is, um, let's see, do we have that picture? It's like a, I wanted to more showcase Jasmine than the Bajaji, but this, you can kind of see half of it. It's like a little mini, a mini car. It seems to be functioning like a motorcycle to where the front of it would be like a bike, like the motorcycle bike part, but then it's got a covering over it. And in the back, you can have two or three people sitting on a seat in the back. So this lovely young lady, her name is Jasmine, and she is the reason for our trip to Dar es Salaam. She is one of the graduates from our kid care program in Arusha, and she since moved after doing university in Dar es Salaam. She now lives there full time. And she contacted Pastor Larry with a business proposal because she is a insanely entrepreneurial individual. And she said, Pastor Larry, I would love to start a taxi service. So she laid out the cost of every single thing, like where she would do it. And she said, can we make this happen? Can I partner with Kid Care? And can we make this happen? So of course, Pastor Larry, being the amazing individual he is, and wanting people to succeed, he said, let's make it happen. You've done so much work, let's see what we can do. So we went into Jasmine's world in Dar es Salaam. She took us to the heart of her city. So we went outside of the city. We, so we were expecting to just walk like 10 minutes just down the street. But then she ended up taking us to the bay. And then she's like, oh, we're going to take this ferry. We're like, a ferry? What? OK. So we took this ferry to the other side of the bay, which then she showed us where she wanted to have her taxi service run out of. And it was this big strip of a street that was very, very hip and happening. It seemed to be like the, the marketplace of that area. So there's tons of foot traffic, perfect place for her to have her taxi business. So we saw that, and then she said, we're gonna get on a bus and I wanna take you somewhere else. To which we're all thinking, we were just expecting a walk down the street. What are we doing? Where are we going? And this is our very first day in Tanzania. So it was a lot to experience. So we took this bus ride 
The bus was packed full of Tanzanians staring at us, probably thinking, what are these people doing? Because like I said, this is not a touristy area. And they're like, this is now the suburbs. We're outside of the city. And I'm like, what are you guys doing out here? It's weird. So she took us to a used Bajaji dealership, and we had a conversation with them. And then um, we're like, okay, these are cool. But you know, we would rather have you have a new one. They're nice. They're much nicer brand new. So we had this whole excursion with her. And what was really neat about that moment is that we got to see what no one else would have seen. If you're a tourist and you go to Tanzania, you would not be where we were. We really saw the heart of Dar es Salaam and we saw Jasmine's world. When we were out with her, I asked her, hey, where did you go to university? And she pointed and kind of directed me like, oh, you know, that place we passed, it was kind of over there. And then when we um, were over across the bay where that ferry was, she, I asked her, you know, where do you live? Do you live on this side of the bay where the city is or more in the suburbs? And so she pointed out kind of where she lives. And it was really amazing to see that kind of detail, the things that you would never see if you were just to go there on your own. So we took a bajaji back to our hotel. So. I have a little video for you guys of just a short ride in Dar es Salaam, the city part of Dar es Salaam. like LA, right? A little bit of like downtown LA. There's a few bajajis. I don't know if you could have recognized them. They're like the tiny little cars. And then there's a few street vendors that were carrying things on the top of their heads. So there's a few things that you're like, oh, that's different. So while I was there fully immersed in this culture, I think my initial reaction was to be afraid because it was different. And to be like, I don't know who these people are. I don't know if I can trust them, if I should feel safe here. Like, what is that? And the more I look back and the more I reflect and the more I remember what it felt like to be in that moment, I realized that I, it was just different. It wasn't that it was dangerous or that it was a, a horrible situation. It was a different situation that I wasn't used to. So sometimes when we travel, sometimes when we experience a different culture, a different people, we need to recognize that it's okay. It's okay that they're different because that's how God created every single place in the world to be different. And we should celebrate those differences. It was amazing to be inside Jasmine's world and to see how she lives every day and to see kind of like that route that she takes to and from work every day. She takes that ferry. So that in itself was like a behind the scenes exclusive that no one else would get to see. So when we get to travel, we get to experience God's people and their unique way of life.
So we can celebrate that. We can celebrate those differences, but we can also look at it, and we can look at it negatively and compare it to how we live and be like, oh, that's different, don't like, don't like. Or you can celebrate and be like, wow, God does that here and only here. I can't get that back at home, so I'm gonna enjoy it here and now. The next stop we got to visit was Arusha, and I was super excited for Arusha because I have heard legends of Arusha from past trips, and I was so excited to go there. So Arusha is a very missions-based town, as I've come to experience. While we were driving around, there were signs for schools and orphanages everywhere that were sponsored by some kind of religious organization. And I also came to realize that the two missionaries that I know from college happened to be stationed in Arusha. Feels very random. They could be anywhere in the world, and they were in that same city. Another coincidence is that my cousin texted me while we were there and said, hey, are you in Arusha? My two friends are missionaries there. Do you have time to meet with them? I was like, I do not, but that would be amazing. Like, what are the odds that all these people are based in the same city where we, kid care, have a same center, and I was able to experience that. So cool. So I would say, this one I kind of went back and forth with, but I would say that if Dar es Salaam was like the LA of Tanzania, Arusha might be more like the Chino of Tanzania. There's a lot of nightlife activity happening, lots of shopping complexes, and there's a lot of farming as well, some churches. Um, but it, it was a very suburban area. It wasn't the most affluent area, but it also was not the least affluent area. It was kind of in the middle. So this is the city where the Shalom Center is located. And the Shalom Center is the place that we have that, that partnership with, with Kid Care. So I have a few pictures to show you guys of Shalom. So this is the front of the Shalom Center. So Pastor Larry over there on the left, he is by the gate to our garden where we also have some ponds for some fish. It, all of the things that are grown there are going to the Shalom Center to feed our kids there. So this is the entrance to our little safe haven area for all of our children. So this was the welcome committee that we got. I was not expecting them to have all of the kids gathered in one room. But it was a really cool moment when, as soon as we got there on Saturday, we came in here and they all sang a welcome song to us. It was really cool. I don't think we have that recorded because we were kind of caught off guard by it, but it was one of those live in the moment situations. It was so cool. And then we had, oh, can we go back for just, just a second? Sorry, I'm talking too long on that, I know. These two girls that are standing up are two of, I believe, eight girls in the Second Chance program at the Shalom Center. So what the Second Chance program is, is um, when teenage girls get pregnant in Tanzania, they are immediately expelled from school, and that kind of ends their chances of getting a job and having a better future. So what the Shalom Center does is they take care of the babies, of these girls, to give them the opportunity to go to vocational school, to give them a chance for a better future. So these are two of the girls 
in that second chance program, which is a really cool thing that I didn't realize that Kid Care does in Tanzania. It was incredible. Next one. So this is the courtyard of the Shalom Center. In the, the left two doors and the center two doors, those are the dormitories for the students. And then the white door that is open, that is the little kitchen where they cook all of the meals for the students. And then we've got a brand new water tower up as well. So this is kind of gives you a little taste of what, what it is over there. And then these are some of the cute smiling faces. The, you see this student and this student and this student. Those three, I think it's just those three in this picture. Oh, and then the one that's half cut off on the far left. Those are four of our teen moms at the Shalom Center, as well as the ones that were standing in the other picture. So it's crazy to look at these girls and know that they are the same age as some of you kids in the back row over here, my teenagers I get to work with. Um, and they've got little babies, like we can see the two, two of the kids showcased here. Yeah, crazy things that they're doing. And then some more pictures of people and McKenna and I having fun. Yeah. So it was a really good experience to see everything that the Shalom Center is doing and realizing that not only do they care for orphans, for kids that are from birth to 18, but they care for kids after that. They care for these teen moms. They care what happens to them even if they get kicked out of school. So when we first landed in Arusha, the first thing that we did was not go to the hotel and take a nap like my cat of a heart would have liked to do. <laughs> we went immediately to see some of our Shalom graduates and to see where they're at, which ended up being way better than taking a nap. So the first person we got to see, her name is Joyce. So Joyce makes these really cool beaded bracelets. So if you ever see anyone that has been to Africa come back with beaded bracelets, it's because we walked into Joyce's shop and she just grabs your wrist and just puts a bracelet on. No matter how big or no matter how small, your wrist is, she will make one fit. She is incredible. So this is Joyce's shop. So looking at this with American eyes, we might look at that and be like, oh, it's kind of run down. I don't know, that's good for her, but wow. Let me take you to Arusha eyes. In Arusha, the majority of their booths, they don't really upkeep their building, so like chipping paint is no big deal for them at all. But most of the shops in this area were like what we would see at a street fair, but on a more rundown scale. Instead of like having nice folding tables, it would be like rickety wooden tables with a slight little awning that was probably very ripped, very dirty. So. That was the majority of the places in this shopping center. And then we have our Shalom graduate with a brick and mortar shop with like all new sewing equipment and she is killing it. She just has so much success here. And 
it was just amazing to see how big her smile was, just knowing that she was loved and that she was supported and she was able to do this on her own. I mean, look at, it says Joyce Tailoring Mart. So that was the coolest thing to drive up to and see her name on a building. Because I've heard so much about her at home and it was so neat to see her successful. Because Joyce's story did not start happy. She was going to be put into an arranged marriage and she chose, like, I don't want that for my life. And so she ran away from home and her family just said, mm, no, like, we don't want you to come back. And so she was not sure what she could do after that. So the Shalom Center took her in and raised her. And they kept raising her and believing in her after she graduated to the fact where this happened. So kid care is doing so much more than just raising kids. They're fostering dreams and making them a reality. Another dream that was made a reality is Violet. She's our next picture to showcase. Look how cute she is. So this is her beauty salon. Violet was one of the students that got pregnant in high school, was expelled, and um, the Shalom Center helped her get to beauty school, vocational school, and I think she's been here for four or five months now at this shop doing her, living her dream. And what's even cooler about this is that the next slide is going to be her daughter, Angel. She is so cute. She was so cute. Um, I heard her name before I met her, and then I met her at the Shalom Center, and I was like, your mom is Violet. That is so cool that I can connect all those dots. So she is currently at the Shalom Center being cared for while her mom is at work. So that's something that Kid Care pours into, is caring for kids so that their parents can be successful. It's this longevity, not just, oh, we're just here to your young adult, then peace out, you're on your own. So while I was in Arusha, this time I experienced God through learning the stories of the people and the places and rejoicing in what God is doing in them. See, our God is a very personal God. He's Yahweh, the personal God. If you open up your Bibles, which I want to encourage you to do right now just to prove that I'm not lying, you can go to any one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, pick whichever one you'd like to, and you can just start flipping through. And you will see stories upon stories upon stories of Jesus interacting with people. He heals them. He calls them into ministry. Everywhere Jesus travels, he meets people and learns their stories. If you can't find one, I will show you about a dozen after service, I promise. There's tons and tons and tons of stories of Jesus with people. And I imagine that the Bible is probably very similar to my blog posts that I kept while in Tanzania, meaning that they are not complete stories. Not saying that there is anything left out that's not supposed to be there, but meaning that there's so much richness in each story that you couldn't possibly include the entire story. 
I imagine that when Jesus healed people, he didn't just lay hands on them and say, okay, bye, I don't really want to know anything else about you. I'm sure he wanted to know them and hear their stories and how they got there and what they're going to do next, what's their dream. But that's way too much to fit into the Bible because then the Bible would take up an entire room and that would be impossible. But knowing who Jesus is, knowing the personal God that we have, I know that's how Jesus did his ministry. He's getting to know his people. Because Jesus knew that when he met people, life change happened when they felt known and seen and understood. So since you have your Bibles open, turn to Matthew 28. And if you know what this is already, you get a gold star. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 is the Great Commission. I think I can't speak about traveling without talking about the Great Commission. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says this, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. I am surely with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus tells us to go. Now, when I was in Tanzania, I didn't have the opportunity to baptize people or to lead thousands of people to the Lord, but I did have the opportunity to speak to the girls at the church there and at the Shalom Center. And we had a really cool little mini youth group style of gathering, and God really put a message on my heart for them of God's grace and love. So I have a little video to show you of of a special moment during this gathering that we had together. If you ask any one of our students, some of the highlight moments in youth group are the games. Would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, it's okay to to be like, yeah, no, it's Jesus. It's always Jesus. No, it's fine. I know Hunger Games is the best. These kids, I was told later that they expected to just come, maybe sing some worship songs, and then sit and just listen to me speak. They were not expecting any games. So when I got up there and said, hey, you guys want to play a game? They're kind of like, can we do that? Yes, of course we want to play a game. And it was the coolest moment to just be playing with them. And so as soon as they, they said cup, they just like grabbed the cup and it was just like light around the entire room. It was so cool. This is a game that we play here. Um, we actually learned it at a summer camp or winter camp, I think it was. It's called head, shoulders, knees, and cup. The idea is to obviously grab the cup when you say cup. And it was really cool because I think it was the weirdest thing, too, to 
in preparation for this, just say, I need 50 cups. <laughs> and I'm like, what is this lady doing? Okay. But it was so cool to kind of give a piece of youth group to the people there. And we then left the cups at the Shalom Center. So I hope that they have some crazy times with the cups too. So even though most of those girls spoke Swahili when I asked if they spoke English, only one girl, maybe two, was like hesitant to say like, yeah, I know English. So I was like, all right, um, everything's going to be through a translator. This is a totally new experience for me, but it's okay. We'll make it work. I'll talk slow. It'll be great. So it was really neat to be able to say like, I went, I went, and even though I couldn't have the one-on-one conversations that I love to do here in the States, but just showing up and showing God's love to people was all they really needed. All they needed was to get the, the random stickers at the end of, of the time to say, like, hey, God loves you. And I know it seems silly, but the sticker is going to show you that, that God loves you. So when we travel... You don't have to speak. You don't have to be doing what I did and sharing a literal message about Jesus. But you can just go and show up and tell people about God's love or just show them God's love. So McKenna Maglio was also on the trip with me. And unfortunately, she was not here today to speak, which she's probably happy about because, you know, it's scary standing on this stage. But she's amazing, and she did record a video for us. So she's got something really cool and special to say. So I will let her share what's on her heart. I'm McKenna Maglio, if you don't know me already, uh, and I was honored to be asked to join this year's Kid Care International trip to Tanzania to visit the Shalom Center that they uh, run there, and as well as experience uh, some of the other outreach programs that they have. So I know Mandy's kind of question today is um, how I experienced God through our travels, um, and I think I have a little bit of a unique experience uh, because I was kind of brought along to document a lot of what we were doing on photos and videos. So because I had my camera with me the whole time, uh, and as a lot of you may know, I've taken a lot of photos for a lot of Granite Creek events over the years. Um, it was really unique to be able to experience everything um, kind of twice as I say it, so I experienced it through the lens of my camera as well as in person with my own eyes. So that's what I wanted to t share a little bit about today. Experiencing this trip through the lens of the camera was something that was really special uh, to be able to capture all these moments, um, a lot of the smiles and the great friendships and relationships that we were able to see 
at the Shalom Center, um, and then as well as the beautiful you know, animals and scenery and everything that we were lucky enough to see while we were experiencing our first safari. Um, so what I really tried to take from it is um, when you are taking a photo or when I'm taking a photo, uh, lining everything up and you're focused on the composition and if everything is uh, lighted well and framed well and all that kind of stuff. And it's really special to be able to come back and look at all of the images that I was able to capture and um, appreciate the things that I was able to see. So appreciate those, uh, those smiles and those stories that we can now represent and share uh, because of those images. So experiencing God and his kind of majesty and uh, his beauty through the things that we were able to capture. Um, and then the other side of it where uh, I really love to take a moment to put the camera down. So um, while experiencing everything through that lens um, is really amazing and can leave some really lasting impacts, I think it's really important to, uh, no matter what you're doing or capturing, to put the camera down and really experience it for yourself um, with your own eyes, with all, all your senses, um, and really take everything in. Um, so while we were working at the Shalom Center, it was really important to me to be able to put the camera down and um, you know make that uh, relationship and establish that relationship with whoever I was taking a picture of or taking a picture with. Um, so to be able to meet them and get their names and some hear some of their stories and um, to more deeply appreciate uh, everything that they have been through and everything that they're willing to share and, and how what we've been able to capture now and bring back to everyone uh, is to continue to share their stories. And then on the other, other end of the trip, uh, we were lucky enough to go on that safari and experience God's creation um, was really powerful to see his majesty and his beauty and everything that he has made and, and that we're lucky enough uh, that he has protected it and we can now experience it. So to you know, take pictures of lions and leopards and hippos, giraffes and you know, all these other animals um, and to be able to put the camera down for a moment and look around um, with my own eyes and really experience where we were at that moment and what was around us and, and the sheer majesty of it all uh, was really, really powerful. So um, overall, I that's really how I look back um, at this trip that we were fortunate enough to take and also just a little bit of um, advice for anyone else who is traveling and, and or has traveled is to look back at it um, through that lens, if you will, um, of appreciating what you were able to capture and appreciating those, um, those memorable moments through a lens, through your phone, through whatever uh, means you may have recorded them, but to also make sure that you are present um, and to really experience God and everything that he has to offer um, through
through those experiences for yourself with your own eyes and, and all your senses um, and to to really appreciate them for what we've been given and we're blessed enough to experience. And that little last clip, it was like their youth worship team, so it was really fun because I was like, oh, it's like that home. So one thing that McKenna was really amazing at was taking pictures. Like all those pictures you guys saw in her video, oh, those are all taken by her. Like the leopard picture looks like it would be a Google picture. <laughs> Crazy. So it was incredible the amount of things we were able to see and just what she was able to capture so one thing that she is working on and that she was able to capture were pictures of every single student at the Shalom Center. And the vision with that is to create a personal sponsorship program. How it's working right now is that if you sponsor a child, it, it goes in a lump sum, which I mean, it's gonna how it's gonna be anyway. So they're not gonna tell a kid, you're not sponsored, you don't get to have lunch today, sorry. That's not how the, our heart of our people work. So if you do sponsor a kid, you're essentially sponsoring 70 kids and having a personal relationship with one. It's an incredible opportunity. So what we're working on is making that personal sponsorship program easier. Right now there's not a way to see the specific students and to hear what their stories are. But McKenna and I, that's kind of our whole goal in going there is to make that process easier so that you guys can have a specific student to contact. Because some people in this room do have students that they are individually sponsoring and you can ask any of them how incredible it is just to have a relationship with someone in Tanzania that you can message and say, hey, what's God doing in your life right now? I will say that's one of the coolest things coming back to the States and having my WhatsApp app and being able to text my new Tanzanian friends. So I want to encourage you guys to partner with Kid Care in the sponsorship program. I know right now I just said that you can't sponsor a specific kid, but if you donate and sponsor a kid right now and it goes to that general fund, as soon as we have that sponsorship program up, you can pick an individual child to have that relationship with. So until that's posted, what I would encourage you to do is not to wait until it's posted to sponsor because that kid is still gonna be getting the benefits of your sponsorship, but to take that time to pray over what kid God wants you to sponsor. Even if you can't see their faces and if you can't know their names yet, you can still pray, God, like what age group, what hobby, what aspiration in life do you want me to sponsor into, to really foster that relationship into? Because I think it's almost easier when you have the list of kids' faces. You can be like, that one's so cute. I want to go with that one. And then what we've noticed is that a lot of the older kids end up not being sponsored because they don't reach that level of cuteness. So I think it'd be a lot more powerful to pray over it before you look at the kids' faces to really have the Lord lead you to who you can build that personal relationship with. Because it really is 
impactful to have a relationship with a kid across the ocean. It's really amazing. So our last stop was Safari. As McKenna kind of showed you some pictures, Safari has ruined zoos for me in a good way, in a very good way. So our first stop was the Ngoro Goro Crater. And this floor covers about 100 square miles, which Ed and I did some math between services. So it might not be completely accurate. So you can go home and make your own number up. But I think it's approximately the size of 880 Disneyland's. That's a big number. Disneyland's huge. So 100 square miles, and these animals have free reign of it all. It's incredible. And there's not any fences to keep these animals in like you might see at the zoo. So they might wander out and become someone's dinner. Oops. But most of them will stay inside the crater because there's so many resources for them there. They have all their food, all their water, and their friends are all there. It was incredible to look at. It really was. The picture that McKenna had in her um, video, it was me on the side of the safari vehicle, is I think where this next story is going to come from, which is kind of cool. Um, didn't realize that until watching it a, a fourth time. Um, so in college, I took a backpacking trip to the Ansel Adams Wilderness, which is up in Northern California, right outside of Yosemite. And on that backpacking um, experience, my trek leader decided every time we climb a mountain and look out and there's something beautiful, we're going to sing the doxology. And the doxology, we got to sing together this morning, which is amazing. So now that's something that I do. It's just been instilled in me that any time I see something just breathtakingly gorgeous, I have to sing the doxology to myself. So I think that picture that McKenna captured was when I was humming the doxology to myself, because I'm not bold enough to be like, let's all sing together. But it was such a cool moment to just look out and just be like, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise God. Just all creatures here below. So on the floor of the crater, we stopped by a lake. And I have a little picture video of this amazing scenery, which I wish was captured better. Like, it's amazing in itself, but if you guys were there in person, oh my gosh, it was breathtaking. I mean, look at the little elephant, just chilling, which I learned on safari that if an elephant is by themselves, that means that they were too aggressive and they were kicked out of the family group, which is really sad, <laughs> really sad, a whole separate sermon on that one. I've got a safari sermons notepad going, so youth group, look out. So... <laughs> This guy was so cute by himself that when I learned that, I was like, man, but he still looks so majestic. And then this, this family of zebras and then all of the little black dots are just animals as far as the eye can see. It was incredible. So we're looking at this. And our safari guide, Adam, he looks out and he says, how can you say there is no God? Not meaning any of us in the van, of course, you know, because we're all probably thinking that. 
but just to the ether. Like, how can you say that there is no God? You can look at this all day. And there was safari vehicles everywhere in that plane. And I guarantee you, some of them did not know the Lord. He's like, how can you look at this and say there's no God? He is so right. Romans 1, 19 through 20 says this. They know the truth about God because he, was, he has made it obvious to them. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. We can experience God by marveling at his creation. This was a sight to marvel at. I could have sat here all day. Our, our, our safari driver would always stop and let us take pictures. So, you know, when we're like, blurry, blurry. And he would say, okay, good? And, like, every time he would say that, I'd be like, oh, no, I want to stay longer. But it's like, yeah, we have other things to see. But, man, I could just sit here all day and just marvel at that. Just see how many animals come to this water as their source of water. And this elephant at one point walked up to the lake and started to fill its trunk with water and just like drop it all over itself. And it was just so neat to see all the animals in their God-given environment. That is where the Lord meant for them to be. And it was so amazing to see them in that area. So when you travel, marvel at his creation. Whatever it may be, marvel at his creation. We can go up to Mount Baldy and marvel at his creation. We can just go outside to all these beautiful trees in Claremont and marvel at his creation. I had the incredible experience to travel 10,000 miles to Africa to have this experience and to experience all the different cultural moments that I had to experience the different people on a new continent with new foods, new languages, so many different news. And while I was there, I learned something that broke my heart. A Tanzanian, on average, will make 300,000 tea shillings a month. <laughs> Why did that break your heart? That sounds like they're loaded. 300,000 tea shillings is equivalent to approximately 130 US dollars. That's a month. That's about a day trip to Disneyland. Crazy to put that in perspective. This broke my heart because I was thinking of all my new Tanzanian friends and I was like, oh, you should come to the States and I'll take you all around and show you my world like you've done for me. And realizing that is not a possibility for most of them. That would take them decades to save that much money to have that experience just because of the place in the world that they were born into. Crazy. So maybe some of you can relate to that financial burden of this kind of travel. Maybe you're like, man, 10,000 miles to Africa, like I would love to do that, but that is a lot of money and airfare and hotels, and I just can't do that. But here's the thing is that fortunately, we don't have to travel 10,000 miles to experience God through travel. We don't. We can experience him 
anywhere we travel, even if it's just the town over. It's all about finding a new experience and seeing God in that new experience. Maybe you want to have this similar experience where you can go to Tanzania, meet our kids, meet our staff over there. They're incredible people. But maybe you just want to go to downtown LA. You can have a hundred cultural experiences in downtown LA. You can go on one street and then make a turn and have a whole different cultural experience down there. And you can experience God in so many ways just in the city of Los Angeles. Maybe you're like, oh, I want to go to New York, different coast, have that experience. Or maybe you're just, I want to find a new beach I've never been to and experience God on our coast just an hour away at the beach. Whatever you choose to do, you can experience God through it if you take the chance to look for God. So my challenge for you guys is to travel. To travel somewhere that you have never been. It could be five minutes away. It could be 24-hour plane flight away. Travel somewhere where you have never been and look intentionally for God in new ways whether that's through the scenery and just seeing how other people live, learning their stories, being present, or just marveling at his creation. Because God is everywhere. He's created every single thing to be in the place that they are at. And we can experience God wherever we're at. So travel. I want to transition into a time of offering now. This is Kid Care Sunday, and we've told you just a fraction of the things that they do. There are stories on stories on stories on stories of things that Kid Care have done, both locally and globally. So I'd like to invite the ushers to the front, and I want to invite you to partner with Kid Care. Maybe that is taking the step to sponsor a child. Maybe that is taking the step and just giving financially and letting the Lord lead the, the kid care team to do whatever it is that they're led to do with it, whether locally or globally. But I would love to invite you to partner with kid care because they are doing incredible things and they really are answering that great commission of going into the world, every part of it, and fulfilling that mission and telling people about Jesus and his love for them through the most tangible ways of just giving them food and giving them love. So I want to invite you to give as you feel led. Lord, I thank you so much for this offering. Thank you so much for every single thing that you are doing through kid care. I thank you for the heart that, that people have for kid care and the heart that is really after your heart for your people. So Lord, we just ask that you bless this offering, ask you to keep doing what you're doing in your people and providing for them and giving them hope and love and a secure future, God. We thank you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, let's worship together. I'm gonna sing
I'm going to invite us all to communion now. Sorry, I was too involved in worship. That's so good. All right. Communion is an amazing moment that we get to connect with the international church because churches all over the world are participating in communion. Communion is what reminds us of what Jesus did for us, which is on this cross, Jesus died and sacrificed himself for our sins so that we could be free to live a life of hope and security in his love. So if you have a little communion, I want to invite you to receive communion, starting with the bread. This bread represents Christ's body that was broken on the cross for our sins. Jesus says, eat this in remembrance of me. So Lord, thank you so much for your body that you gave for us. We receive it and we say thank you so much for your sacrifice. And he took the cup and he said, this is my blood poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. God, we thank you so much for these symbols that you've gifted us. We thank you for the bread and for the juice that symbolize your body and your blood. We thank you so much for having that sacrifice so that we can be free to live in relationship with you, Yahweh, our personal God. We thank you so much. In your holy name we pray. Amen. So may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. And may he make his face shine upon you. And may he give you an adventurous spirit. May you experience him in every part of your travels, whether locally or globally. God bless you. Have an amazing week, everyone. See you.